Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and downloading and subscribing and being involved. And as always, you know, check us out on social media. You can follow me at Karen Litzy NYC and Karen Litzy on uh, Facebook. And if you hear something you like or if you hear something you don't like, let me know. Leave me a, a comment and we can kind of keep the conversation going. Now, today's episode is really... Uh, I would say at times a little shocking, um, emotional, and 100% true. So my guest this week is Cynthia Toussaint. She is the founder and spokesperson of Four Grace, an organization that promotes better care and wellness for women in pain. Toussaint championed and gave key testimony at two California state hearings. One was dedicated to CRPS awareness. The second explored the chronic undertreatment of and gender bias toward women in pain. She will lead a 2017 conference that will convene healthcare and policy leaders to bring pain care into the 21st century. The solutions proposed at the event will mandate structural changes that respond to patient needs and gender inequalities in California. Cynthia is also the author of Battle for Grace, a memoir of pain, redemption, and impossible love. And I said I say this during the podcast, but I'm going to say it in the intro as well. Now, if you are a person working with people, working with people in pain, if you're a caregiver, if you're suffering from pain, I really encourage you to read this book, Battle for Grace. It's an inside account on what it's like living with chronic regional pain syndrome for 35 years. Cynthia has lived with this through 35 years. She has gone up and down and up and down. And we talk about that in today's podcast. We talk about how she first came up, how the injury happened that led to CRPS, when she finally got that CRPS diagnosis, how she went to so many doctors, and I think a lot of people in pain can really relate to that, because oftentimes when you're in pain, you're going to many, many doctors before you get that the uh, the knowledge that you're seeking or the diagnosis that you're seeking. And she talks about how she got through it, and, and also she talks about her strong advocacy for women in pain, and now not only women in pain, but people in pain, and not only people with CRPS, but people with all uh, pain, all issues re- re- uh, that leads to pain. So if you read the book, just know that some parts are pretty shocking, and we talk about some of those shocking parts uh, here today in the podcast. Uh, it's really unbelievable. Um but I think it really gives you an insider look on what it's like to live with chronic pain and what it's like to accept that you're going to have some pain. And and I read a passage from Cynthia's book that, for me, was the most meaningful part of the book, and you'll hear that towards the end of our interview. Um, but Cynthia has been a champion in the state of California. Uh, she does. They do have a yearly conference through Four Grace, so I encourage you to check out Four Grace as well. All of the links to all of this is going to be in the show notes. So if you want to buy Cynthia's book, 
If you want to find out more about Four Grace, then head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. It's all in the show notes. It's one click away. Okay, so I'm so glad for you guys to tune in to, to listen to this. And, and this is a patient story. You know, everyone talks about the patient experience and when the patients need to be involved and the patients need to have a seat on the table, and they do. And Cynthia is living proof that that can happen. She has not only a seat in the t- on the table of her medical team, but in the state of California. She advocated, she lobbied, she did what she could to help others. And I think it's really inspiring. And For a lot of healthcare professionals, you know, we tend to see our patients a couple times a week, maybe. This is a look at what it's like to live all those other hours of the weeks and the months and the years when you're living with chronic pain. So please enjoy this episode. A huge thanks to Cynthia for being so honest and open and sharing her truth and her life with all of us. So thank you, Cynthia, and everyone. Please enjoy. Hi, Cynthia. Welcome to the podcast. I'm honored to have you on, so thanks so much. Hi, Karen. It's my pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Sure. And I'm just going to tell a quick funny story about how we got in touch with each other. I had posted something on LinkedIn, and you commented on it. And I remember seeing your name and thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, this is I've been wanting to get in touch with her, but I didn't know how. (laughs) Well, it's all about timing, right? And it's all about LinkedIn. Yeah. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was so great to meet you. And I was actually on a plane going to DC for work and it was like, we're about to take off and I got to get back to Karen Litzy. And I was all excited about your podcast. So it's so wonderful to be here. I know. It's like, and like you said, there's like, there's no coincidence. I was like, what a coincidence. And you were like, there really Ah, are no coincidences. I don't think so. Can't be, right? Yeah, can't be. It just makes sense if there aren't. No. Yeah. No, we're here for a reason. Yes. We're both here right now for a reason. Exactly. And a so very I'm good so, one. Yeah, and I'm so glad that that little LinkedIn encounter happened because here we are. <laughs> so it just made there life so much easier. Um, so there, there's a big plug for LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so like I said in the intro, uh, you are an activist, you're a spokesperson, you're the founder of For Grace, and also the author of Battle for Grace. And we're going to talk a little bit about that book and kind of weave some stories in as we go through. But I just want to say to every healthcare practitioner, because you know, I have a lot of physical therapists and, and body workers and, and other healthcare professionals that listen to this, you need to read this book, because it will give you some insight very, very intimate insight into the person living with chronic pain. And it will only make you a better therapist for reading it. So thank you for writing it. Oh, thank you, Karen. Oh, thank you. Thank you for reading it because it's it's a hard read. I uh, made the choice uh, to write a difficult read. I wanted everyone who read the book to, and I still do, want everyone who reads the book to have to put it down at least twice because they either are afraid or they have to judge me or they just have to get away from it because it's just, it's, it's chronic pain is the most frightening experience I can imagine. And I wanted to write that experience um, people used to ask me a lot when I would do public speaking. The first question was always, how did you f- survive? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how did you survive the suicide disease for 20, 25, now 35 years? And I always answered with, that's a book. 
And finally, I decided to write it. And uh, my partner, John, didn't want me to write about two things. And uh, we talked a lot about those things. And I, you know, I asked him why. And he said, well, I think you're going to be judged and unfa- unfavorably. And I thought, well, does, does it matter? And I asked him, does it matter if I'm judged? And he kind of had to say no. And I thought that if I didn't write everything, I wouldn't have done my job as far as telling people how I had survived the suicide disease for all of these years. So I felt that if I left those two things out, there would have been holes in the book. And my hope is that when everybody closes the the, the book, uh, reads the last page, um, that they understand how I've survived. So that's that's we wrote everything. It's raw. It's scary. It's also quite beautiful in mm-hmm. places. Yeah, I, I, I have not read it since it was published. It's it's very it was very painful, but also very healing. Yeah, and just so people uh, know, the suicide disease is chronic regional pain syndrome. It used to be called reflex sympathetic dystrophy, but they've changed that to chronic regional pain syndrome. And like you said, you've had this for thirty five years now. So without, yeah. of course, we don't want to give away the book, but um, can <clears> you give a little, share a little bit of your story with the listeners um, so that way when we get to some of the other questions, they know where you're coming from. Sure. Well, I was 21 years old and I had a perfect life. I'd had a wonderful childhood growing up with a lot of siblings and all the neighbors wanted my mom to be there. So I was always surrounded by people and I, um, that's the way I love it. I'm very social. Um, and I was going to college as a dance major. I also did a lot of singing and acting. I was a triple threat, Karen, <laughs> and I lived to perform, and I was starting to get auditions. I was up for a part on the TV show Fame and um, a couple of film roles, and uh, one day in ballet class, I was stretching like I did every day, and um after a certain stretch, I remember the teacher saying, you're high-level dancers. When you come up, stretch your back out. And I remember stretching my back out, and I, I felt like a click, and I, I heard it. It sounded really loud. And it was in my right hamstring, just above the knee. And I had torn my hamstring, and that I didn't find out uh, for the next 13 and a half years, but that triggered uh, complex regional pain syndrome. Um, also known as a suicide disease, and um, it started to spread. I got a job then um, in a headlining illusion act in um, a show at the Reno Hilton, and then it was an act that traveled a lot. We went to the um, Las Vegas Flamingo Hilton, and then it spread when the when the disease spread into my left leg. I had to quit, and I had to give up all my dreams and moved back into my mother's home, and it was such a nightmare, you know, to uh, not be able to hold on to my career. The doctors then started saying I was crazy. Um, I was told really abusive, horrible things like, um, you have stage fright, you have tendonitis from Mars. I was often told you're enjoying the secondary gain that you're receiving from your attentive partner, who was the love of my life, still is, John Garrett, um, I was told when my arm folded up into a permanent contracture, uh, a doctor said, you're folding up your arm with your mind just the way one levitates oneself. Yeah, that's One doctor amazing. said to me, yeah, isn't that amazing? And mm-hmm. I, um, I actually asked him, 
well, you're a lot stronger than I am. Why is it that, since you know I'm crazy, why can't you? <laughs> I had asked him, why can't you straighten it out? And that's when he told me that's easy, you know, and, and, he, and he gave me that line. And at that point, I had John in with me on every appointment because I wanted him to witness the things that were said. And the worst thing that was said to me was, you're only a woman anyway. It doesn't really matter. Why don't you just shoot yourself in the head? And these crazy, one doctor actually said to me, he said, when I said, how do you know I'm, how are you sure that I'm crazy? He said, because I went to medical school and I learned everything about the human body there. And that answer really kind of prepared me for the work that I was going to do to help other women suffering with severe high-impact pain. Because it was such a naive answer. And I started realizing, these people are crazy. Or, and, and, I, and I also thought, I don't, think, I don't think that they believe what they're saying. You know, it just kind of set me up for the work that I was going to do because it was so abusive. And there was a lot of sexual harassment that went on. I was put into a hospice, not a place for a 23-year-old who no. just got, come back from Las Vegas, the Las Vegas stage to be with elderly dying patients. And um, the flirting was, it was, it was so hurtful, and I was in such a desperate, vulnerable place. And I, I, I survived. I, was, I became very depressed. Um, I had lots of anxiety. Um, I became very suicidal. I, um, but I survived it with John, and we went on to start for, for Grace. And we raised a lot of awareness worldwide of complex regional pain syndrome, and now we better the lives for women uh, who are dealing with high-impact pain. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Was that... Was that yeah. too long? No, no, no. That was great. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, and good. the okay, thing good. I can't believe is even mm. with chronic regional pain syndrome, even though undiagnosed mm. at the time, that you were still dancing. You know, isn't that so many people talk to me about that because, like, yeah. who would do that? It's kind of, I mean, that's kind of crazy. I mean, we're talking about the word crazy. I loved performing that much, Karen. It was That was my life. And I remember... Um, thinking one day um, before I ever got sick, oh my God, what would I do? What if I didn't make it as a performer? What if I couldn't make my living? What if I wasn't successful doing what I have to do? And I remember kind of panicking. I was on a bicycle. And then I remember thinking, oh, I'd kill myself. It was such an easy answer. Yeah. Not so easy, right? Yeah. Not so easy. We don't know what we can live with until we're there. Yeah, and then absolutely. we then we make the decision. Yeah. And then that yeah. kind of leads me to to my next question and that's how do kind of, how do you find the strength in yourself when you're certainly not getting that from your medical team or from all of the people around you? Because what you just described sounds pretty harrowing. Yeah. Um well, it's a really great and complicated question. Um how do you survive? And I, and I literally, I mean, I, I had John, and I, was, I'm, I am really lucky, but when people say you're so lucky to have John, I, I, it sort of bothers me because actually that was a series of choices. You know, we have a, a relationship that has very much been tested, and it could have ended, and, and there's also, it could definitely have ended. Um, and, and also when you have a partner, there's the guilt of, I am destroying this person's life. And that can make you very angry at the person. Um, obviously, this is emotional because I'm almost mm -hmm. crying. Um, so that is, that's really hard when the one person who stays by you, you 
you know that your disease destroyed that person's life. He will say it didn't um, because he will, he would probably say, um, but it made me so much stronger, but I never knew I could have been this person, you know, so there are gifts in the end, you know, it takes a long time to get to the gifts, but there are gifts. Um, But I didn't have support from my family. They just didn't have the strength to stay except for my mother, who's extraordinary. Um, So the way I survived was first of all, honestly, one day at a time, I, um, I couldn't think too far down the line because everything looked so hopeless. The doctors were saying they were abusing me, saying I was crazy. Um, John was going to a job that he hated. I had to move back to my mother's home. I was in suburbia. I was so miserable. Um, I was watching friends move on with their lives and successful, you know, in show business lives. And that just kind of, you know, was kind of killing me. I was, um, you know, so I wasn't getting support and things just got worse as the disease spread throughout my body. I was, I ended up being bedridden for 10 years and I couldn't speak uh, when the CRPS spread into my vocal cords for five years um, on and off. So I wrote on a board and it was a nightmare. I mean, to, to put it lightly, um, I think the living one day at a time is really important. I think that um, having strong self-esteem and strong belief in myself is huge for my survival. I always knew that I deserved to live and that I had something that was powerful and valuable to offer the world, and we all do. And I'm I'm just lucky. I think I'm lucky to have that self-esteem, and it probably came from being a dancer and 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 being good at the things that I that I needed to do, that I wanted to do, that I loved. Um, acceptance is huge. It's really hard, and it takes a long time. And I'm today, 35 years into this, I'm still accepting. Um, but I also, but I, but I incrementally was accepting, you know, along the way, uh, reinvention, huge, um, with reinvention, of course, keeping, I think keeping our passions alive for me was really important. I didn't, I mean, I, I became really passionate about helping other people who were surviving high impact chronic pain. I didn't want what happened to me to happen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, with our reinvention, I, I always tell people live your passion, find a way to do your passion differently. And with For Grace, I'm always um, finding a way to perform. <laughs> and if you think about it, being a spokesperson is not so different from being a performer, being in front of a camera, being on stage. Um, I'm working on a show now that, that uh, John and I with another partner created, uh, working with a great production company. We've been greenlit at PBS. I want to host that show. Um, it's, it's a great passion that I have. I'm always, you know, we use a lot of, always finding a way to get the passion in there. I, I'm, I record. Um, I do, I'm doing my second CD now where I, um, I dedicated that to women in pain. I'm actually going to call the next one crazy. To, and dedicated to all women in pain who know they're not. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you can always find ways to to keep your passion alive. And, and even um, in the darkest times when I um, was bedridden, I love the classics. And I would never have had all those years to read literally. John always says, I, I ran out of classics at libraries and we, we would be done with a library and he'd have to go to another one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't waste my time. I um I studied French, you know, I got I got tapes and I, I did that. Um also I, I I think that um 
for self-esteem, I think that it's really important to take risks, you know, go um, out of your comfort zone, do something um, that that you've always wanted to do, and maybe you were afraid to do it. And I think that that really helps the self-esteem, and I, it helps you understand that you have something wonderful to offer the world, and it makes you more comfortable doing something doing something really helpful, you can, doing something that can help other people. I think that we can all, I think that, uh, I think all of us with pain, uh, we're, we're very empathic people. Mm-hmm. We care about other people suffering. We, I could never be the, um, the, I, I could never be the person that I am today. And, and what I mean is deeply caring about, um, other people, the planet, animals. Um, I, I, I want to help the earth. I, I want to help people. I, I, I need to do that now. And I didn't need that before. And, and now I still get auditions. And I, I'll say to John, if I go to an audition and I do well, yeah, but who am I going to help with this job? It, it's, it's like I don't need it the way I needed it before. You know, I mean, it's just, it's interesting how our lives really are richer you know, for the suffering. They're richer in in many ways. I didn't think I'd say that, but I did. I said that. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. I know that as, for myself, as a physical therapist and someone who works with people with chronic pain because of my own history of chronic pain, I feel like if I didn't have that history, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now, which I find so fulfilling. Interesting. And makes me so happy, you know, and and makes me feel like... I'm making a positive impact, whether it be the one person that I'm treating or the thousands of people that are going to listen to this podcast. You know, you're still making an right, impact. Right. And I think that it's, it's really important. And um, I think that all of that, all of what you just said is so, is so meaningful. And it just Good. sounds like you were able to find creative solutions to keep yourself going. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to do when we have chronic pain is maybe it's not exactly right. what you thought it was going to be, but you found this creative solution to still be passionate and and still find your way to be successful. And, and whatever that success right. means for you. Right. Well, and I refocused my passion, passion because I'm a very passionate person and I needed to do, you know, a certain thing. And then I realized with time that I'm not going to be doing that certain thing anymore. But I, I had a great passion actually to do HMO reform at first when I learned when, you know, when that whole story broke and I, I had been in an HMO, I'd been very abused in an HMO. And, um, and that was just that, that, that was such a healer for me. I mean, I just, it was like I, I had so much to say, and I, I, the news reporters were coming to my, my home like at least once a week you know, during those years and, and having a microphone in, in, in front of me, and I, I'm in bed. You know? I, mean, I was bedridden, mm-hmm. and it was, it, was, it was such an opportunity for me. You know, I, had, I, I, I did have a voice, and I remember um, at my first Senate hearing um, that I got done, don't ever let anybody say you can't get something done because you can. Yeah. Um, I remember when I gave the key testimony at that first Senate hearing, which was about complex regional pain syndrome, I remember the senator chairing it said, thank you for being a voice for all those who can't have one. It's like, that's it. That's what I want to do. You know, she really helped me. 
And I love, uh, Karen, how you said you found creative solutions because we all are creative. As human beings, we're creative people. And it's very healing to be creative. And I think most of our passions are creative. And that's that's interesting. I have to think about that because I really like what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And, and that's interesting about your background that that you had pain. And before the show, you told me that you had had pain for only eight or nine years. Eight or nine years, Karen. That's a long time to have pain. And I was really curious. Did that change what? Did that change your life? With did that change your career? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it did. And it sounds like it completely changed. Yeah, your, completely, your life and it your completely career. changed. And you know, I can really relate to you what you said um, earlier about you know you're you're lucky to have John and and that yet you mm-hmm. still feel this guilt like oh I'm mm-hmm. he can't do what he wants to do because of my illness and. I definitely, and you know, your friends are moving on and doing all this stuff. And in my thirties, that's exactly how I felt like, oh, my friends are all moving on and getting married. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not with anyone because I feel like I'm going to be such a burden to them. Like who wants to take on somebody who's crying all the time and who has difficulty getting out of bed and can't work and, you know, has all these issues. Like who wants to take that on? And, right. so and then there are these, really these, these extraordinary people who do because yeah. it's not that they want to take it on. It's that they love you mm-hmm. and that they can see beyond that. And um, I don't know, John just, he didn't sign up for this. Neither, yeah, he didn't sign up for this. Neither he had did you. The, I was going to say neither did I, but he <laughs> yeah. had the choice to walk mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. He had that choice. And, and um he the love was stronger than you know i mean he signed we can't legally marry because of my benefit right um but i in a way i mean people i say you're more married than any you know anyone i know you know i mean um which is which is interesting but he just he feels that he took vows um no matter what mm-hmm. you know and it's like in sickness or more sickness whatever it is right. you know i mean it, it's just he i honestly um I get asked a lot, did you ever think, you know, did you ever think he was going to leave or you must have thought he was going to leave? I never for a moment thought John was going to leave. That's amazing. And I knew John had the strength and it, we we had such an amazing um such a such an amazing relationship before I got sick. It was so strong and I felt like it was for life. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is, you know. Yeah. But that was also as I said a series of choices that I mean John had um he had been in a couple of relationships before me. They didn't work out. He couldn't deal with the relationships. Um, he didn't want to make. Funny enough, um, he didn't want to. He didn't think he could make a commitment to somebody to really be there for for them. And he knew with me very early that I demanded a lot. And I I think that's a really good thing to demand a lot mm-hmm. and want a lot from a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I remember he he wasn't testing it, but he got scared early on. I was madly in love. We were like a couple months into our relationship. I remember we were sitting down at a restaurant for dessert, and he said something like, well, you know, don't you think maybe we're spending too much time together? And, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe, you know, I'm thinking, are you, <laughs> can I swear? I mean, are you, are you, you know, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. And I, I got up, I mean, I was madly in love. I was, this was it. And I just got up and I walked away. You know, I mean, you got the rest of, rest of your life to just spend, you know, you know, without me. And he actually, he made a decision that night because he followed me home. He um, finally got me to get in the car. He took me home. 
And um, he stayed out in the car in front of my mom's house. We were really young. We were 20 years old. Yeah. And he stayed out all night, and the next next day he asked me to marry him. Oh. So he made that decision. I know. Aww. So what a guy. That's a nice story. Like, yeah. Oh, this is a John that I know and love. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, I don't know. <laughs> we just had a really, really strong relationship, and it's just, I've never doubted that love. It's just not not wavered but yeah. and it, but boy, boy has it been tested and i think that it, that is a gift that's a gift of yeah. the pain that yeah. i never could have known what i had in this man ever and i might have lost him sure, sure. i might have yeah. yeah moved on with performance and met somebody else and i might have done something dumb you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and and you know i think you mentioned that in the book how the the pain was a gift to your relationship and it just made this incredibly strong bond. And, and, and one thing that was obviously also in the book and that is a big centerpiece of people living with chronic pain is the emotional aspects of it. And I know like, we'll put this disclaimer out there that you're not a psychiatrist or psychologist or anything like that. Neither am I, but you've lived with chronic pain for 35 years. So what is your best advice on how to deal with the emotional aspects of it? Wow. Um, first of all, I think that for well, for me, I had the emotional aspects of the chronic pain experience are by far the worst part of it. Um, the pain is so severe. I mean, with this disease, I always describe it as it's feeling as though um, my body has been doused with gasoline and lit on fire. And I, it's hard to imagine something worse than that. But I, with time with for me that my big issue is abandonment all the people who left and um that that is the hardest part for me to this day it's still the hardest part for me mm-hmm. um i think that it's people it's it's i think people might get mad at me for saying this but it's so important i think to have a positive attitude it's really hard um but i think that if if we if we Greet people with a smile. I, it means a lot, and I think that it makes us feel a lot better. Um, people say to me so often, Cynthia, you've always got that big smile. And a lot of people don't know that I'm sick. Like I, mm-hmm. um, It's just interesting, but people always talk about my smile, and it's, it's authentic. I'm, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm a very social person, very outgoing person. If I get out of my condominium, I need help to get out. I need a wheelchair. I need somebody to push the wheelchair. I need somebody to, somebody to drive me to wherever I'm going to go. Or if someone comes to see me, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I mean, um, so I think that's really important rather than always putting out, you know, toxic energy. Um, I think that, I think that, uh, for me, anyway, I need to find, and I always do find gratitude, even on the worst days at night. A thing that I like to do is find five things that I'm grateful for from that 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 happened during that day. And once I found the five, it's so easy to five ten to find ten. And it might be that I got to see the sun today or feel the sun on my body. You know, what I mean, if if we're in a in a really really dark place something there's something good that happened you know i mean a lot of times i I was lucky enough to i can i could see today and i saw something that i liked i mean i try to think about the things in my body that are working as opposed to the things that aren't working because it's pretty amazing when you think about all the things that your body's doing absolutely another thing yeah yeah it's huge um 
Another thing that's very, very powerful for me in surviving all of this is grieving. And grieving is real, and I think that if we shut it off, we just get sicker and sicker. And um, I think that as long as we don't let it consume us, you know, we're all dealing with depression. We're all dealing with anxiety. We're all dealing with so much loss. We're all dealing with abandonment. And if we let ourselves go to bed, you know, just go to bed. That's what I do when I'm just really down. I finally let myself just give up and go to bed. I'm I'm done. I'm all done. You know, um, maybe I'll yell yell a bit and go to bed, or I'll cry, whatever it is. And then what I always find is that I I have a new idea. And I get up and I have a lot of energy. And when I look at the clock, it feels like it's been, you know, forever, you know, an eternity. And it's usually been like 35 or 45 minutes Mm -hmm. that I gave up. So I just think that if we let ourselves have the grieving, and the grieving is going to go on for the rest of our lives, most likely. You know, I mean, how can you ever really, you know, completely come to peace with you know, the, the the people closest to, most of the people closest to me left me. Do we ever really come to peace with that? You know, I mean, I don't know, but at this, you know, um, I think that also another important thing and a way that one thing that's helped me survive all of this is trying to understand where they're coming from, maybe why they left. Maybe they, wasn't that they didn't love us enough. Maybe they loved us too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe they couldn't bear seeing what was happening to us. Uh, maybe it was just slowing their life down. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they weren't as strong as we are. We're really strong people. Mm-hmm. And if we can forgive, that is a gift first and foremost to ourselves. So I think that forgiveness and also taking our part in why someone might have left. Sometimes we did something wrong. Mm-hmm. We're all dealing with maladaptive behaviors. I argue sometimes that, that, that in a way, really, we, are, we have adaptive behaviors because we're adapting to a completely upside-down life. But they are maladaptive behaviors, and I see people in pain. Um, I actually had two friends um, where I tried to help um, what, him uh, come to a place of acceptance, and he would take you know, ten, five steps forward. I like to say ten, but he'd go back ten, ten mm-hmm. steps, and finally they moved out really to the middle of nowhere. And they're both drinking, self-medicating. Mm. And um, so acceptance is, is just, I mean, getting back to acceptance, it's just... It's it's so it's so big. Um, I think also getting a psychologist to help us, and that's a hard thing for us to accept at first because most of us, especially if we're women with pain, we've been told that we're crazy so many times. The last thing we want to hear is that you know, we need a psychologist, but it's so hard to process all of this alone, you know, um, it's just it's so important to find a good psychologist who can help us through all of our feelings of grief and anger and loss and sadness. Yeah. Um yeah, and 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 post traumatic stress disorder. We've all been so traumatized. You know, and now we're learning that childhood trauma plays a, a huge part with adult onset pain. My father committed suicide when I was 8 years old and I was the glue um, to the family, I, I just sort of just went into the mother role, and you know, I took I was taking care of four siblings, doing all the cooking and cleaning and worrying, and it was too much. And I think that that set my central nervous system up for this pain. And I and I've also learned that I need to um, I need to 
I, I need to claim what happened to me because I always thought, well, you know, dad's suicide, that happened to everybody else because I'm too busy. I was too busy taking care of everybody. And I've learned now that, no, 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 that happened to me too. Mm-hmm. And that traumatized me. And, and actually, I've had a lifetime of pain as a result of that. And, and, and forgiving him is huge, you know? Yeah. So um, all of it, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, what is what is the answer? Um, letting go, also letting go, letting go of toxic people is so it's so healthy and and such a it, it, it's it's one way that I have survived, and that's the letting go. I always say everything I let go of has claw marks all over it because I work so hard to hang on to yeah. people that I love or whatever it is that I love. You know, yeah, like you were yeah. saying, how could you dance with CRPS? It's because I. I couldn't let go of it. Yeah, sure. You know? So when it's so yeah, meaningful so I, to you. Yeah, but but then with the reinvention, you find other things that are so meaningful to you and you have different passions and different needs and desires and I I always had a need to help people. I remember um going to my mother, I was 16 years old and saying oh my gosh, mom, I'm going to be a performer, but I'm not going to help people, really bothered me. And she said, well, yes, you are, Cynthia. I mean, everybody needs to be entertained. But it never really did the trick for me. I was like, yeah, really? Okay. You know? Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. So, I mean, I kind of had that anyway, but I, I think that we all do. And I, I was saying it before, I think when we deal with great tragedy and we and trauma, I mean, how often do you hear, you know, somebody who had tragedy? That's what this show that, we're, that we've developed is about. It's people who go through impossible, the impossible odds, survive, and then go on to make the world a better place because, because we all want to make sure that what happened to us doesn't happen Absolutely. to other people. And these are, these are the amazing stories. These are, I mean, these are, these are miracle makers, you know. I mean, um, when I watch the news, I always say, didn't anything good happen today? Oh, um, and yep. They yep. did, they, you know. Of they, course they're just it did. Not being, they're just not being reported. just not being covered. Yeah. Of course, good yeah. stuff happens every day. You know, you just, I was just watching a video on Facebook of a guy who, was driving through the desert, saw something on the side of the road, and there were two little puppies. And so he oh went and saved these puppies, and now they're his forever uh, dogs. How great I is that? I love it. I Because lo- I love animals, yeah. and I just can't stand those stories unless they have a good ending. Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> Go adopt an animal. And then, and then you've got a therapy pet, right, and a best exactly, friend. Exactly. Oh, and, wow. and I just love, so just to kind of recap a little bit of that advice, is sounds like gratitude. Mm-hmm. Reinforce yeah. your passion, grieving, mm-hmm. empathy, yeah. forgiveness. And the thing that I think is so important that a lot of people in pain don't do enough, and it's mm-hmm. it's calling out the good things about themselves. There's a, a, a mm. researcher into pain, his name's Louis Gifford, who's he has since passed away. He called them pink flags. And so he says, as the practitioner, cool. when you're interviewing your patient for the first time, don't point if don't always point out the bad things, you know. Obviously, red flags are a different story. But right. if someone says to you, you know, yesterday I was able to put my shoes on, it didn't hurt, and you say that's awesome, so I'm going to write that down yeah. that you were able to do that, you know, and that would be a pink flag. I love that. Sort of positive 
reinforcements for people, especially in chronic pain, because they need it. Right. Every little, exactly. little tiny thing is a big win in the greater, huge, in the greater especially picture. when we're really bad. We're yeah. at, when we're at a level 10, put, yeah, putting your shoes on is huge. Putting I mean, I was, shoes. and if you're able to do that and it didn't hurt, it's even bigger. Right. If you make your bed, how awesome is that, that you made your bed and you're getting better. That means you're getting better. Yeah. And I think that positive attitude, that being able to look at the positive aspects to your life, they make us better. Because I, I went into a partial remission um, twice. The first time it was a medication um, that I was put on, and that was way back like 30, about 32 years ago. And the other one was after writing the book, and I, and I don't know why I went into that partial remission, but I think it was... Um, I think it was it was taking responsibility. It was it was writing everything, writing it with John because my agent at one point said no one's ever going to believe the story. So um, you need John to come in as your partner, caregiver, and witness. And it was like the most incredible couples therapy. I John first of all couldn't write about himself because he's a typical caregiver, and he's and he kept writing about me. And we'd all say, you know, my editor and my co-writer, and and I would look at it, my agent. Great, John, but it's all about Cynthia. And when he finally started writing about himself, it was in, it was extraordinary because I had no idea what he had been thinking mm-hmm. throughout this journey, you know. And then he couldn't stop writing. So I, it was it, this, it was like this incredible couples therapy. I, I I purged, I exercised all these demons and 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 pain and sorrow and and trauma. And it was so healthy. I always tell women in pain narrative therapy. Just mm. you know, when you wake up, have a have a pencil and a pad of paper and just start writing. Just let and it whatever flow. comes out, do whatever you want with it. To let it flow, and whatever comes out is what you need to be writing. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I just think that positive attitude, even though it's so easy to say and it's, and it's harder to do, as if you keep doing it, like if you keep focusing on the positive things, like you're saying, Karen, eventually those things are just going to come to you automatically. Like, woo, these 10 things happened last. Awesome. Yeah, you that's know? amazing. So we, and, give yeah, your, and give yourself that, the pat on the back for it. Not just, I think, because it goes beyond just writing it down. You have to congratulate yourself for it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on that because people say, oh, you did blah, blah, blah. You know, you should, what are you doing to celebrate? It's like, nothing. I just moved on to the next thing, you know, and we need to be good about that. Yeah, yeah. We, that's really good advice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's <laughs> really true. good advice. Um, now, yeah, it uh, is. yeah, so I wanted to, if you don't mind, read a little passage from the book, and this goes back to kind of what you said earlier about acceptance, but I think this was a okay. paragraph for me that was very meaningful. And okay, it's, cool. And it was towards the end of the book. I mean, literally, like, there's only three pages left. But it says, midway into the party, it struck me. I was watching a picture Uh of what my life might have been. I was talking to people Uh I had little ability to relate to anymore, people who found it just as difficult to wrap their heads around my experience. A grand canyon Uh of separation had been forged by my challenges and their apparent ease of life. This night was giving me a remarkable gift a front row seat that showed quite dramatically how much my values had changed. I had become quite different from my dream, and now on this night, I had a much better one. And I, for me, I felt that was one of the most poignant paragraphs in the book because it really showed, I think, at that point, and, and in reading the whole book, that, that acceptance 
was yeah. was front and center, I think, at that time. And it just yeah. felt like, okay, wow, I'm so glad that that pair was in there because it made it a little lighter, you know? It, it kind of took the burden oh, off I'm a little so bit. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Thank you. I, that, it made me cry. <laughs> but that was um, an amazing night because I was with all these very successful um, uh, TV and film actors and I literally was like, no, seriously. I mean, it was, I, I had gone to a party earlier that week and they were all disabled performers. We were all disabled performers. And I loved that party. And they were all these amazing people. I, I, I'm, I know I wrote about that in the book, but I don't know if I, if I wrote that it was, it was just before. And, um, but this other party, I just, I couldn't relate to the people anymore because it, it, it Act performers are wonderful. I mean, I mean, it's 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 so hard to be a performer. It's so hard to reach that to to hit that level. And I admire that, and I respect the life. But it was missing something for me at that point because I had changed so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that audition where I say, "Yeah, but who am I going to help here?" You know. So I mean, that's the that's one of the greatest gifts of pain for me is becoming a much deeper person and, and somebody where it, almost whatever I do in my life, it has to involve helping people. And that's just natural now. And you've got the same, you've got the same thing going on, mm-hmm. Karen, you mm-hmm. know, so I think probably everybody listening is, is, is in that place. And, and that goes for our caregivers, you know, the people who are strong enough to stay, yeah, I think for we sure. all want to help people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We all want to help people, and and I, I felt that for me that the the through line of the book it was funny because my agent asked him asked me once one t- one day he said, um, "What is your through line?" <laughs> and I didn't I didn't have any idea. And he said, "You refuse to be a victim." Hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and I realized, and I that that's so important with everything that we've been talking about is we with with high impact chronic pain have to refuse to be a victim. Mm-hmm. We have to be our own advocates. We have to be deeply involved with self-management. We cannot hand over our power to a doctor because when that doctor inevitably says, there's nothing more I can do for you, we have nowhere to turn. Yeah, We're done. We have nowhere to go. But if, if, we, if we keep our power, there's always somewhere else to go. And we need to take care of ourselves. You know, and and we're the ones we're the ones who either do that or or, or don't do that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I could go on about that. It's so important. <laughs> well, you know, speaking yeah. about helping millions and being an advocate, let's talk a little bit about for grace. So I'll mm-hmm. I'll have you uh, give the listeners a little synopsis of what for grace is and what you guys do and maybe how people can get involved. Cool. Uh, well, after Grace, we promote better care and wellness for women in pain. And at first, we raised awareness of complex regional pain syndrome, and we did that worldwide. And I was hearing from women uh, during that time, women with chronic pain and like every kind of pain I could imagine. And they were all saying that the doctor said it was in their head. And when I listened to men, I would I would listen to their stories. I would purposely get on the phone to listen to their stories. And not that men aren't told that sometimes, but I don't think a single man told me that. Um, and I would eventually say at any time during this, you know, your experience, uh, did you, uh, were you told that you were crazy by the doctors? Or did, did, were you not believed? And, and I would generally get a response like, 
no, I can't relate with that. But anyway, and then, then they'd move on with the same story, but they weren't told they were crazy. So that's when we decided to change our mission. And it's not that we don't love men in pain. We do. It's, um, but you, you can't save everybody at the same time because I felt like I was um, sort of you know, walking away, uh, abandoning men, men in pain. I had a lot of talks, a lot of deep soul talks, and we changed our mission. So um, we do a lot of media. Um, we do local. We do national. We do international. Um, actually, I just remember we're about to work with the World um, Health uh, Organization in Geneva next week. Nice. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, – yeah, isn't that cool? Anyway, I just, I just remember we're doing it next week. But actually, we do a lot of media. We do a lot of public speaking. We do a lot of legislation. I um, was able to spearhead two California Senate hearings. One was about CRPS. One was about the gender bias um, um, toward women who experience high-impact pain. We, um, we, have a, we have an annual event. We have support groups. We, I basically created what I needed, you know, when I, when I, when I was sick, and that's what I was thinking when we started For Grace. Um, I do a lot of writing. We do a lot of writing. John writes a lot as well. Um, just whatever we can do to um, lessen the, the 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 physical and emotional pain that that people. I, I don't want to say just women in pain, but people who who have pain are experiencing. But especially um, women who are told that they're crazy. We have mm-hmm. like a share your story project where any you know if you write your story and send it to us, we will you know we'll put it up online and um, and 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 share and and we get so many calls and emails about those stories because everybody has an incredible story to tell you know we all need to tell our stories and i get media for a lot of of people and i you know we we all because of that you know we all need we need to you know we need we all can help other people by sharing our story it it starts with awareness and um, we're working with a lot of um, groups around the world now. Um, like I just mentioned, the World Health Organization, we're planning a summit um, this year for our 10th anniversary event, and it's going to be a change agent summit where we will bring people from the, all the different healthcare sectors together and in the same room because we want to get the national pain strategy on the California road. We're busy, Karen. Yeah, that's awesome. But, but <laughs> yeah, so it's if somebody, good to be busy. Go ahead, Karen. I'm it's, sorry. No, I, I, get, say, I get to talking, you know. No, it's good to be busy, and, and you're doing good work, and you're you know, raising, like you said, raising awareness is, is so vitally important, and it's not mm-hmm. easy. No, it's it's not easy. It's a lot of work, and I will literally like, people say, "Well, how do how do you get these stories?" And it's like I will call a journalist seriously. I'll call a journalist fifty times to get a story. You know, what I mean, and I, you know, I just, I, I never, I never, I don't stop because if anybody shows any interest whatsoever, I'm not going to let it go until until they do the story. And I hear very often from them later, "Well, I never would have done it if you if you if you'd ever you know stop bothering me." <laughs> But they say, but I'm glad I did it because I learned so much. And wow, you know, I mean, people are blind. This isn't. We have. We all have such such amazing stories. We've all survived. You know, the unsurvivable. And um, people people like to hear those stories. I mean, these are feel good stories. These are these are these are the movies where everybody cries at the end, but it's kind of a feel good cry. Totally. You know? Yeah. And for sure. So we all have to share the story. So hey, if, if people want to get involved with a summit or a conference, you know, email us, or if you want to share your story, or just you know get online and see how you want to be involved with us. But we love to work with uh, people who have 
uh, pain. And, and as, as a matter of fact, our conference is, we say, um, for women in pain, by women in pain, because everybody on our planning committee is a woman in pain. So that's pretty cool. That's <laughs> you know, awesome. We yeah. all get it, and we all care. We all care so much. Mm-hmm. You know, we all bond so much at those events, and, 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 and that goes for our, um, our planning committee as well. We're sisters. I, I always call us sisters in pain, and we really are. We're there for each other. You know, and we we have the most amazing meetings, and and just there's so much love there. I always, I get to work with all of my heroes. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, wow, there you go. That's that's huge. That, I say that all the time, but I'm yeah. If that's not a resounding uh, job description, oh, I love that. Exactly, I love that because I say it all the time. It's true. But I really listened to myself when I said that this time. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow. And then, so there you go. before we wrap things up, what I always ask this question to all of my guests. So Uh-oh. knowing, yes, this is, here it comes. So knowing <laughs> okay. what you know now, uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, that's such a, such a good question. Um, and I've been asked that question over the years and it's, it's always, I always get silent when I hear Everybody that does. Question. Everybody does. Really? Because it's Everybody. so hard because you don't want to say, oh, just accept it and go on it because it's, it's, I don't think that that would be advice I'd want to hear and I don't think it'd be realistic, but I guess I would say. You're a hell of a lot stronger than you think you are. And look for meaning as opposed to happiness. Mm, great advice. Yeah. Meaning is the most important thing. Yeah. And I was recently trying to figure out what is life about? You know, what just that little one, Karen. And I decided yeah. it's about being kind. Mm. It's about being kind to one another. And um, yeah. I, I guess I would want to tell me that. Yeah. I wish yeah. I'd known that. Change your priorities a bit. Great advice. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to, yeah. Good. Great advice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so okay, good. now just so everyone knows that's out there listening, we're going to have all of the links to for grace, um, and cool. some other fun stuff in the show notes at podcast.healthysmart.com. So, uh, we'll have a link to the book, which again, I highly suggest if you work with human beings, you should read the book. If you work with <laughs> computers, you, maybe you don't need to read the book. <laughs> but if you work with people or you live with people or you're around people, you should read the book, um, <laughs> Battle for Grace, because it, it really, it's, it, it's, it's not easy. And, and, and you're like, as a PT, most of the time I was like, What? Why are they, what? <laughs> no, don't do it. Yeah. Like I'm screaming at you like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, oh, no. But, you know, it's, <laughs> but it's good. It makes you think. It makes you think as the practitioner, you know, mm-hmm. as, the, as, as a PT, I can speak from my own experiences. We'll see patients a couple hours a week. And we're lucky in healthcare that we get that much time with patients for the right. most part. Right, true. But you're with, as the patient, you're with yourself the entire rest of the time. And it's well so it's so important for the therapist to know that this is what can be happening behind the scenes. So that's right. what that's what a big right. takeaway for me from from the book was. Aside from that paragraph that made you cry, 
So, right. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that, Karen. And, and um, you're, I would like to see you as a physical therapist. Oh. When I come to New York, I'm going to give you yeah, a call because absolutely. you're so good and so caring. And just the conversation we had before this interview touched me really deeply. Oh, and good. you're a real person, you know, yeah. and I love that. And you, you're vulnerable and you're so knowledgeable and you're so caring. And you gave me like 10 ideas of what I need to do All during right. that during that short talk so sweet thank you for that any thank you for everything and and, you're helping so many people thank you wow yeah and thank you for for coming on to the podcast today and I know I've done shows like this before and they are always so meaningful to the audience so thank you very much I'm so glad. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for doing what you're doing to help people. Thank you. And and you're awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Feeling is mutual. Um, And yeah, people read the book, check out for grace. Um, Everything will be in the show notes and uh, you'll get to know Cynthia uh, very intimately, I think from, Mm -hmm. from reading the book. And, and, you know, we were talking ahead of time and you would say things. I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Totally. As if I've known you for like 35 years. I know. Some of my best friends who haven't read the book, I can't talk about certain things because they, you know, I just wouldn't say them. Yeah. Um, but then people I, I just met is like, oh God, you know that we can talk. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's very interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. And that can be a whole other podcast. Using that word crazy, life is kind of crazy and pretty wonderful. My yeah. psychologist always says, it's never boring. <laughs> nor, nor should it I ever love that be boring. When I <laughs> it's never boring. Life is different, but it's never boring. It's still as exciting. Yes. It's just different. It's just, just different. different. Exciting. Absolutely. And on that note, we will end today. So thank you so much. And, and everybody who's listening, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great week and continue to stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.